Welcome to the latest edition of our Fixed Interests podcast series. My name's Tony Stringer and I'm a Managing Director in Fitch's Global Sovereigns Group. I'm joined today by Ed Parker, our Head of EMEA Sovereign Ratings and the lead author of a recent report on the risks to emerging market sovereigns of another taper tantrum episode. So Ed, we all remember the 2013 taper tantrum and its impact on the so-called Fragile Five. But what factors are prompting concerns about a possible repeat episode of Fed asset purchase tapering that could affect emerging market sovereigns once again? There are several similarities with the current situation and what happened in 2013 when EM financial markets suffered significant volatility, with US inflation rising, GDP recovering strongly, and the output gap likely to be eliminated by 2022, we expect the Fed to announce a tapering of its asset purchase programme in the second half of this year, before starting the taper itself in early 2022. US bond yields have already risen sharply so far this year, by around 70 basis points to 1.6% for the 10-year rate, as financial markets anticipate these trends. Such a rapid rise and turning point in the world's benchmark risk-free and discount rate naturally has a broad spillover to financial market valuations, risk sentiment, capital flows and financial conditions. This is particularly the case for emerging markets as the US dollar accounts for the vast majority of foreign currency debt, higher US rates can also feed through into the cost of EM borrowing in local currency and several exchange rates are linked to the US dollar. Nevertheless, we expect the tightening in US monetary policy to be relatively mild and gradual, with 10-year yields only heading back to 2% over the next couple of years, and real interest rates will remain low and global financial conditions favourable by historical standards. So you've told us about several similarities there with 2013, but what are the potential differences this time around? And specifically, are the Fragile Five in the spotlight again, or are other countries more at risk this time? In general, the macro backdrop is more favourable than in 2013, when the taper followed a period of strong EM GDP growth, credit growth and capital inflows, and there were some signs of overheating. In contrast, most emerging markets are now in the early phase of recovery, while low inflation and sizeable output gaps provide some insulation to domestic interest rates. Strong GDP growth in China and the US will provide support to EM current account balances and commodity prices are fairly strong. That said, the path of the pandemic remains uncertain and tourism looks unlikely to recover rapidly. So far, the impact of the taper concerns on EM capital inflows, exchange rates and bond spreads have been fairly limited. Back in 2013, there was a kind of simplify and exaggerate mindset in the media and markets, with the focus of attention very much on the so-called Fragile Five of Brazil, India, Indonesia, South Africa and Turkey, which had sizeable current account deficits. These are large emerging markets and are naturally the focus of financial market attention, and they certainly had some vulnerabilities. In 2021, all five have much lower current account deficits and less obvious exposures to risk stemming from the Fed taper. That said, the recent firing of the central bank governor in Turkey has heightened vulnerabilities there, 
whilst Brazil and South Africa's combination of high public debt and weak growth potential is a key credit weakness. More broadly, this time round, there's a long tail of smaller, less prominent emerging markets. We could call them the fragile frontier that look more exposed to a potential taper tantrum. In the report, you mentioned the importance of a number of external metrics for assessing the vulnerability of countries to the impact of tapering. How do current account deficits and the overall EM financing backdrop compare to what we saw in 2013? We forecast the median current account deficit of the 81 Fitch-rated emerging markets at 1.5% of GDP this year, half the level of 2013. Nine emerging markets will run current account deficits of 10% of GDP or more this year, but fewer have deficits of more than 5%. And these are mainly smaller frontier markets. However, vulnerabilities look higher in many respects compared with 2013. EM eurobond amortizations of some 78 billion US dollars this year are triple the level of 2013, while EM sovereign foreign currency debt and net external debt burdens are higher. There's also a striking dichotomy for smaller Fitch rated emerging markets. Median foreign currency government debt was 40% of GDP at the end of last year, more than double its rate at the end of 2012 while for the largest 30 emerging markets, it's just 17% of GDP. Furthermore, emerging markets are more sensitive to higher global and local interest rates now, as median EM total government debt has climbed to 62% of GDP from 34% at the end of 2012. EM vulnerabilities this time round are less on the current account and more on the capital and financial account, This is consistent with higher risk for smaller sovereigns since they tend to borrow more abroad and have higher exposure to foreign currency debt, albeit borrowing from the official sector more than capital markets provide some insulation. Another conclusion from this is that potential EM currency depreciation against the US dollar would be more problematic this time round. If the taper proceeds in line with our current thinking and expected timing, What policy options might be open to EM countries that could be affected by it? And how would you expect them to react? Well, again, we expect the rise in US bond yields to be gradual and overall financial conditions for emerging markets to remain relatively benign. And we are not calling that a taper tantrum will trigger a systemic emerging market crisis. However, we have already seen a number of EM central banks, including Brazil, Russia and Turkey, starting to hike rates. EMs with floating exchange rates, credible inflation targets, spare capacity, positive real interest rates and low participation of non-resident investors in domestic debt markets will have greater insulation from rising US rates. For governments, Higher global and local interest rates will feed through to higher debt service costs. Sovereigns with higher government debt burdens or weaker fundamentals will have less capacity than developed markets to maintain accommodative fiscal policy to support the recovery from the COVID-19 crisis. Debt dynamics will be more precarious in countries with weak economic growth potential and high levels of foreign currency debt. Another policy implication is that frontier markets are going to continue to rely on the support 
of the official sector, including financing from the IMF and multilateral development banks. The G20 Debt Service Suspension Initiative has been extended until the end of this year, and we would expect to see some countries restructure their debts under the G20 Common Framework. Finally, you note in the report that despite the high-profile initial market impact, ultimately the 2013 episode did not result in a credit event. Is there any reason to think that there could be a different outcome this time, potentially leading to sovereign rating downgrades and even defaults? Yes, in 2013, the decline in capital flows to emerging markets was relatively quickly retraced as initial fears over the extent of Fed tightening proved misplaced and some emerging markets raised policy rates. None of the Fragile Five suffered a full-blown balance of payments crisis and Fitch did not downgrade any of their sovereign ratings. Our conclusion that larger emerging markets' external financing positions look relatively strong also supports the view that a systemic emerging market taper tantrum shock is unlikely. For example, the GDP of the Fragile Five is larger than the GDP of the 68 smallest Fitch-rated emerging markets. However, there is this long tail of smaller frontier markets with weak credit fundamentals, and that predates the mini taper tantrum this year. The average emerging market sovereign rating has been on a long-term declining trend and has fallen by 1.3 notches to double B from double B plus in 2013. We saw a record five sovereign defaults in 2020. and There were a record 45 emerging market downgrades last year with three more so far in 2021. Negative outlooks exceed positive outlooks by 21 signalling that further downgrades are likely this year. And finally, a record 47% of EM ratings are now in the B, C or D rating categories, up from 28% at the beginning of 2013, highlighting that many sovereigns have limited remaining buffers to absorb further adverse developments, whether those come from the taper tantrum or elsewhere. Thanks for those insights, Ed, and thank you for listening. You can access the report we've been discussing, titled Fragile Frontier Markets Are Most Exposed to Risk of Taper Tantrum 2, along with our other sovereign and economics research on Fitch's website. We hope you join us for the next edition of Fixed Interests.